things to people, perhaps. What is it? Why do I keep talking about it? The war of one is the one that we are all in, and it's with ourselves. We're the only people defending ourselves against the onslaught that is this war we all have to fight every day. And why did I call it a war? A couple reasons. Because it sure as hell feels like one. But why else did I call it the war of one? How do you survive a war? You become a warrior. So many of the problems that we talk about around mental health and, and well-being, the fundamental thing that's missing uh, in a lot of these cases is the warrior. We feel powerless. This is what War of One is here to change. This is a war, but you are not alone. One is all of us. series. We will be scouring the earth and the stars for the best weapons, and we will be sharing them with all of you. We will be giving you the armor to defend yourself and the weapons to fight in this war, because we have to win it for ourselves, for the future, for the planet. We have to win it, and it takes warriors. Welcome to War of One.
Part 1. Where do we begin? Let's start where many a hero's journey begins. With a map. Where are we going? Uh, What can we look back to? In uh, the moments where we feel like we are lost, what is the thing that we can bust out of our little backpack to get us back on track? So the first tool that I am arming you with in the War of One, uh, it's an important one, it's the map. Let's talk about the map. I'm obviously framing and conceptualizing my own, but it's largely inspired and built of uh, other things. And the thing that I, I wanted to kind of open up the conversation about this map of the War of One is uh, off of the moral landscape. Now, the moral landscape was put forth by neuroscientist philosopher Sam Harris as a way to look at the, the problems of morality facing humanity and trying to place them in some kind of objective truth that we could say as people with brains, um, <clears throat> this is clearly bad. <clears throat> now, how he has typically framed it uh, has been usually somewhere along the lines. When Sam Harris is introducing the moral landscape, he goes, okay, I want you to imagine the worst possible misery for everyone, everywhere, all the time, forever. <laughs> As a worst possible worst. <laughs> the worst worst. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, imagine the most brilliant, brightest, peaceful, prosperous, happy future for everybody, a life of abundance, uh, in bliss forever and ever and ever. Now, if you want to grant those two extremes as attainable, let's not call them goals, um, but prospects, let's call those attainable prospects for humanity, the worst of the worst, <clears throat> and the best of the best. Now the best, uh, let's, those are peaks. And the worst, those clearly the deepest valleys. Now everything in between falls somewhere in between the best and the worst. So we, on some level we should be able to say objectively um, that one, one thing, one state of being is objectively worse than another. Now, the pushback to this idea has generally been along the lines of, well, science can't really actually say anything objective uh, morally. Uh, On a 2 plus 2 level, there's nothing really... This isn't the domain for science. So, um, I I, I guess Sam's kind of gotten picked on for trying to drag philosophy into the laboratory. Um which I, I think, again, here is, is somewhat of a framing thing, and, uh, and I think I can help with that. The first framing thing is that uh, we shouldn't be thinking of questions on the moral landscape as scientific questions. We should be thinking of the questions as scientifically-minded people. 
the question as asked by the scientific mind. Um, I always have to fall back to Carl Sagan on this because science is more than a body of knowledge. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of skeptically interrogating the universe with a fine understanding of human fallibility. (laughs) God, I love that. That's gold. So that's kind of the first thing I want to detach a little bit. Um, is that we are, all of us humans, <laughs> we are scientifically-minded people asking the question. We're, and we're allowed to do that in the scientific realm, to ask the question, um, which plays to a kind of duality here, which I I'm, I'm, was going to bring in later, uh, and maybe I'll expand later towards the end of the episode, is that philosophy is very much the same way. Philosophy is not just a body of books. It's a way of thinking um, and using the best, the best knowledge, the best uh, wisdom to move further. You know, and sciences, science in that realm is about using the tools, all the tools that we have, the tools and the knowledge of, of nature itself um, <clears throat> and using that, you know, almost as a weapon against nature to conquer it um, on a cosmically spiritual level, let's be real. Um, but yes, there, there, is, there is a detachment that needs to be made from the moral landscape argument in that we reject the premise that we're saying these are scientific truths. We're rejecting that premise outright um, because it's not actually what we're getting at, I don't think. Um, so that's, that's the first thing that I wanted to, again, just detach right off the bat here before I get into my thoughts on the moral landscape and how I am expanding it in my own mind and in the framework for the Mindwave universe and the neighborhood and the outrage machine and Humanity First series and Hard Truth and everything else. Uh, everything else that I'm doing uh, on the podcast and off. So there are two areas that are coming into focus for me um, as being helpful ways to think about the moral landscape. Um, and they address two... I'm, they're not problems with the moral landscape, but let's, they're missing pieces in, in my mind. Um, so the, I'm, I'm going to do my best to unpack those and, uh, Sam, if you ever hear this, I'd be thrilled to hear what you think about it. But the first, the first thing that, uh, I, I conceptually want to frame as a missing piece, I actually called the scale resolution problem, um, because that is kind of implicit in the word landscape, um, if we're talking about real landscapes in the natural world, um, that's an incredibly dynamic place, an incredibly complex place. Um, you know, take a grain of sand under a microscope, it's a whole fucking universe. Uh, that whole thing. Zoom out to the distance of Mars. <laughs> it's the same, it's the same thing. So, there is kind of a scale resolution element um, missing to the moral landscape argument, 
I think at least in my own interpretation and and my own framing for the uh, like myself a more helpful way to think about it um and I love taking this to physics I, because I am a bit a wee bit of a physics nerd just a a little <laughs> so the how this really came into focus um no pun intended is is on the idea of a lens um lenses are a beautiful thing they are they came from the human mind <laughs> they came from nature they came from biology they came from the eye <laughs> okay we mastered this however long ago um and figured out how to make them optical glass i went into this with jesse i think in my big long rant on this was like secret you know privileged knowledge for the few um, the secrets of making optical glass because it can do amazing things. Okay, the the idea of using lenses is that we bring things into focus to allow us to see them more clearly, um, and especially when you're looking at issues of scale. If you want to see the contents of a water droplet, it's much different. If you're trying to look at the contents of the atmosphere of an exoplanet, for example, um, and we can't actually really do that with lenses yet can we fuck i don't maybe i don't know see <clears throat> i'm not gonna get too mixed up with my uh with my framing devices here but the, the lens is important and um i feel like there should be if we're going to look at the moral landscape at all th this should be a fairly universal uh lens if not like swap out slightly different versions of the same lens if we're dealing with very large scale differences for example it should be a version of the same lens this is the idea there should be one um, for me in talking about contentious issues around race and identity politics and all these things kind of trying to rip society apart at the seams right now the lens that i'm forcing in front of everything else is kind of a radically humanist lens. It's it's the detachment from the whole thing and going going back to you know first principles on this shit and, and you know to 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 a degree taking it cosmic. Um, we were all star stuff <laughs> uh, to to a degree. But it really is about first principles if we're going to talk about issues of race and identity and gender and sex and all of these things. If we're going to talk about them, we always have to start at square one through a human lens, a humanity first lens. Um, so this has been one of the things kind of emerging or birthing itself into uh, the cosmos of my brain in the last um, week or two this idea of using this radical humanist lens and forcing everything else uh, through it and examining the different problems it faces uh, as a society which is actually in a pretty narrow um, pretty narrow scale resolution thing I just like the acknowledgement in the same way that there are higher and lower peaks on the moral landscape, better things to climb towards, um, and deeper places to fall. 
it's kind of like like that. We need to grant that like on on such large scales, we have to look at problem maybe slightly different than we look, of course, like on the individual human level. We're looking at one human story. <clears throat> that needs to be a microscope lens. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, it needs to bring that into focus in the same way that a telescope can bring very far away things into focus. So we're kind of talking about the same thing here. But, um, so we, are, are you with me here? <laughs> On uh, lenses and optical glass, using the tools of science, the fruits of science, and science as a way of thinking um, to metaphor like as a metaphorical lens to force all of our all of our other thoughts um through because you you really have to take it down to like the human level on some of this shit um most of the time so if we're going to start anywhere let's start there but the second the second thing um i called the wavelength problem now, this is extremely evident in the outrage machine and in people's um, ideological spheres. They've become very kind of self-segregated. Sorry to use harsh language there, but it is kind of what's happening. Um, there is a wavelength problem to where we are not um, and I guess this really gets down to like the, on the personal and the microscope level. It's a better place for this metaphor. We need to be willing to see things in as many different filters as we can view them through. Through the lens. The lens is in the thing in, uh, that comes first. But then we should be willing to put on um, as many different filters and try to see the problems in as many different lights as we can. Um, you know, going to the wild, walk a mile in your shoes if you want to take it old-timey American. Um, we need to be willing to, and this is just a basic part of compassion and empathy. You know, I think on a basic human level is like, and that's that's how we see the things that we wouldn't ordinarily see, you know. And it's take take it back, astro, you know. Like you could look at one thing in the sky in visible light; it'll look totally different in infrared, totally different in um, X-ray, gamma ray, whatever. Um, and then by actually layering all those things together, the uh, the composites, some of these multi-wave composites, are fucking insanely beautiful. And it's only by bringing all those different things together and kind of getting the larger picture of what's actually happening there um, that we actually start to understand nature uh, the way that it actually is. Um, and we are a part of it. I think that's a big part of the big lens in the front is also realizing that we are just a part of nature as well. We're observing this phenomenon in nature because it's us and we're also doing it and controlling it, which is trippy. Um, <laughs> but I, I think this, this map that I'm, that I'm drawing out in my own mind, it has been phenomenally helpful just for me um, personally, but it's if this is if this can help anybody, just start to think about how to navigate um, the world. 
just as an individual, on a, on a fundamental map level, if this can help you the tiniest bit, um, fucking awesome. And please, if you're not familiar with Sam Harris's work, go binge watch that until you die. Well, it's a podcast, so binge listen that until you die. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's <clears throat> that's really kind of where I wanted to start with War of One. Um, my first idea was to go straight to mindfulness and then I'm like, well, Jenner, that is a very large leap. <laughs> so uh, that that that's a heavy tool to to wield right out of the gate. So I felt like the first tool, the first weapon that you needed to be able to fight in this battle, <laughs> uh, is just the map, just the the way to force yourself to look at the world, um, and it is the way that it actually is to the best of our knowledge. You know what I mean? Using the lenses of the best minds of science and philosophy um, to see the world the way that it actually is and start there and then be willing to layer on the filters and, and see the larger picture to be able to better engage on specific things. Mm, okay, so I, I realize it just made... I just made the moral landscape much more uh, four-dimensional and colorful and holographic, perhaps, than uh, Sam's. But uh, hopefully, it's a helpful, a helpful illustration for you guys out there because it's been a helpful one for me. Again, it's just coming together. Um, a lot of this was coming together in real time in the uh, last episode of the Outrage Machine on radical humanism with Jesse Rogers. Um, but I wanted, I kind of wanted that in a standalone piece here, and I felt like War of One was the perfect place to drop that. And why? Why Why did I think that uh, the outward-looking part was the important thing to start the conversation on the inward-looking part? Um, I mean, so much of the struggle that I think we have as humans from day to day relates to this how where we find ourselves um in in the real landscape of the world um and the moral landscape is an excellent framing because it kind of can super impose itself onto anything i think it's important to point out that morality is deeply personal and the the perfect example here to go to is the issue of abortion. I think abortion is a deeply moral question. Um, that is a quest that's a personal question for the woman who's going through the decision process, okay? It's personal morality. Um, so of course there's all kinds of problems in in trying to take personal morality and expand that into a kind of universal vision that we can present alongside things like science and philosophy and what have you. Universalization is is the big problem here, 
in what we're actually getting at. So this is where the criticisms of the moral landscape are kind of right on, is that we're approaching this as if there was a right answer, um, capital R, right. Um, and especially when you start getting into moral relativism and things around, you know, religious belief, it gets extremely complicated. Um, which is why, like, the, the, the human part, the lens at the front is, I think that, I think it's the thing that's going to save us to keep us on, on the path, okay, and I mean the path, the one that is going to lead us to the stars, because um, if, if we stray from that at all, it's, uh, you know, I would say the dustbin of history, but the only reason history is a thing is because we're here to make it, uh, and if we're not here to make it anymore, then uh, it's hard, <laughs> it's just gone. Um, so I, I mean, I'm not going to get too, uh, too existentially deep on you, but, um, I, I guess maybe I should elaborate on the filters a little bit more because I, I am using those in an astrophysical sense because filter bubbles are a problem if you're filtering out all the rest of reality to only see the parts that you want to see that is that's that's a problem okay so i i understand that we're getting confusing in the language here especially when more of one is now coming up against the outrage machine um when i talk about filters in the in the map sense of the moral landscape sense i i'm i'm saying that we need to be willing to grant the personal experience in ways that we need to acknowledge the difference in experiences between us across literally any variable that you would care to place on a table somewhere. All of our experiences are different. We need to be willing to do the very best in seeing out of each other's eyes as much as humanly possible. Now, it's it sounds like an impossible task, <laughs> you know. Uh, physically, you let, you can't literally see out of somebody's eyes, but the, the exercise is to try. This is the process. Um, and the process is going to require, I think, probably its own series, I'm going to make the next episode of War of One all about the process because it really it really is like the next thing that needs to be in your tool belt is realizing that this is a process. It's something that requires work. And it's something that takes time. And and that part of it is is I realize is probably going to be one of the hardest for people to tackle. The the realizing that like, yes, okay, we have the lenses, we can see everything kind of clearly, but we need to be willing to open ourselves up enough to do the exercise 
of trying to understand each other. And that requires some kind of maybe maybe filters not the right word. I mean, because I really do mean it in that astrophysical sense, like looking at the difference between infrared and radio waves, for example, or microwaves or whatever. Really, we use different instruments. <laughs> in science, we use different instruments to co- collect uh those data um so so maybe i'll think of a better word than filters really the lens is the most important part um there because we all have to get to the square one of remembering who we are which is all just one species of something on on a rock somewhere in space trying to figure this shit out um the lens is so important the filters are important, but they they shouldn't obscure. They they should enhance. We want to use the filters to enhance what's already there, to further explore, to get more data, to layer the data on top of each other, to see patterns we might not have seen otherwise. Um, and this is crucial. I I gotta think of a better word than filters. If you have one, please let me know. Um, I feel like the lens parts, the lens part is good, but maybe we can work on the filters. Um, but that's, that's really what I'm getting at there is that, um, there's a crucial place for the personal experience. Life is just made of personal experiences, uh, coming in contact with each other. Ooh, that was accidentally deep. (laughs) Um, and, and there needs to be a place for that. Um, but I, th- I think too much of it, there needs to be in, in those filters, a kind of rejection of the cloudiness that wants to say, oh, all, all people like this experience have this experience. I feel like we need to avoid that. Like the fucking plague. Um, these type of people think this, these type of people do that there's only one type of people it's just people we're all different the second you guys the second you start putting people in camps shit goes very wrong can we stop trying to put ourselves in camps and put ourselves on old dangerous ideas like the racist color wheel you're not a color Listener, you are not a color. You are not white. You're not black. You're not yellow. You're not red. You're not brown. Those are very old, very backwards, very stupid ways of thinking about what humans are. That is the sharp edge of the lens. I think it kind of needs one. Um... Your experience matters. Your life matters. Period. That's the end of that sentence. We cannot put ourselves into groups and tribes. We are past that part of human history. If we go that direction now, it's moving backwards. There is one tribe now... It's called human. 
We have one village. It's called Earth. We have to live together. We have to. There is no fucking alternative. Okay? This is existential. (laughs) The planet's on fucking fire. We cannot afford to waste a single another second on this divisive bullshit. You think different me differently from me, therefore you are one of them. You look differently from me, therefore you're one of them. Them otherizing people is how we justified all of the worst atrocities in human history. Otherizing people Pick up literally, literally any book from history. This is a bad idea. It's a bad idea. When did we are all one thing become the unpopular message? Can somebody tell me? Was there like a specific date in history where like something happened, some weird time travel accident, we split off, you know, from the main timeline and, and shit just got, we went into the fucking twilight zone where this message became fringy and like super controversial. I don't know when that happened, uh, but that shit's over. Like we did, we did, we're done. We're done with that humans. Uh, every last one of you listening to this, I hope now realizes that we have to be done with that shit. We cannot be the victims of it, and we cannot victimize each other with it anymore. It's an evil, old, backward, stupid, fucked-up way of thinking that led to the worst horrors and miseries. And it's based on lies. (laughs) This is the important part, you guys. It's based on something that's not true. So if we're gonna if we're gonna get anywhere, we have to start there. That's what is radical about humanism now. Because this didn't used to be I mean I guess it's always kind of had some kind of ooh, no, this against against the doctrine. But it's the point is that it's really not. A radical view um, is perceived as one, certainly. Um, I think virtually any view that's on the stage now is a radical view. Um, And it takes a radical one to fight it. And, you know, radical love, radical honesty, (sighs) radical humanism. I think those are the things that are going to fix this shit or they're going to make a hell of a lot more progress than any of this garbage that is trying to divide us up into ever smaller little groups of warring tribes. And the alphabet soup is the perfect fucking example of this. You know? It's the perfect example. We used to be one thing, and then everybody wanted to start drawing lines in the sand and saying, no, we're our own little club over here, and y- you people over there, you, you, and you know where that leads? Those people aren't human. That's what dehumanizing, otherizing. We cannot allow it. We can 
not. This is what Humanity First is. Is stepping back and realizing what's actually true, which is that we're all just human. all just trying to get through the day. We're all very different. We're all trying to figure this shit out. None of us has got it figured out. But we're all the same fucking thing. And we can't let any other message be louder. We can't. We can't let people fucking divide each other. We just can't. And if that that makes this the most radical thing that you've heard today, fucking so be it. You're not a color. Okay? You're not a tribe. You're a goddamn human being. Your experience matters. Your life matters. You have value. The other things, all just wonderful little things added on top. They don't define you. They, they're, they're just your way of expressing yourself in the world. They are, you know, on a fundamental basic level, this is the problem. We're dehumanizing each other. We're using language that puts people in, oh, those people think this. I sound like a broken record. I do. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> you know, it kind of feels like <laughs> I'll spin it off in aftershow territory for a second. It kind of feels like this self, uh, an exercise in self-flagellation, like these white guilt people who are, you know, whipping themselves on street corners. I'm so sorry for being white. It kind of feels like that. Um, but holy fuck is literally every other message out there, the exact opposite. No, these people think this, these type of people think this, these type of people need this, this, and it's, it's, no, no, this is how we got to where we are. This is how we got to this fucked up clusterfuck in the first place. It's backwards thinking. It is backwards thinking. I have used another word that starts with the letter R to describe this before on the show. It's backwards. (laughs) We need to look forwards, people. Recognize, see, lenses. We need the lens of humanity to bring this shit into focus and be willing to add filters, but not just one. As many as you can find. As many as you can find to bring that thing into full color as crisp and clear and HD as you can see it that's the goal and that's what the map is which is really I guess it's a set of it's it's a map and a set of tools to navigate the map so uh we'll, we'll maybe we'll call that like the uh, the HUD the heads up display pop up in your corner here am i am i moving higher or lower <laughs> in, in in a sense of like states of well-being am i moving high, closer towards being better or closer towards being worse and in the ways that i'm treating other people am i making their lives better today or a little bit worse today that's what I mean by making this the thing that's in your back pocket all the time when you walk around and navigate the world. Because, again, we're built of experiences and and they rub off 
if you run into somebody who's having a super fucked up day and they f- they fuck up your day with their drama and then you're in a fucked up mood. You know, it's that it's that whole thing. So just on on a navigation of like how how to even get around on this crazy ball of water and dirt that we live on. Um that's why I like guys try to stay, take a step back. Try to have this in in your back pocket. As, as the thing that can pull you back from saying something that you might not mean. Some stupid, some heated, you know, we all do that shit. Because um, again, we're all humans. We're all, this, we're all the same goddamn species of fucked up monkey. Okay? Uh, which is another controversial statement. We are. We're just monkeys. That's it. That's it. Uh, we're not special, uh, other than the fact that we landed on the moon, did all this crazy shit, we are fucking special, don't get me wrong, we're incredibly special, but, uh, uh, there's, uh, there's a room to, room to be a little humble here, (laughs) we are just a weird, uh, species of fucked up monkey, and, but we are all the same, so, if, if, I can force that, um, as a lens in front of your eyes or in your back pocket or whatever. I'm always mixing up my shit. You guys know me. If I can get you to remember that uh, a little more often throughout the day, that's that's the goal of the map is just to, like, remember who we are. That's that's just it. Uh, wear it like a rubber band on your wrist if you got to snap yourself or, you know, because we, we, do, we do need to be reminded. <laughs> it is way too easy to get caught up and everything, and then be crushed by the world, because, uh, holy shit, is the world crushing, and I am almost certain every last one of you is being crushed by the world right now, and it's largely because of social media, uh, unplug, hashtag unplug, you guys, take a little break, this shit's fucking nuts, uh, no sane person could deal with this for very long, and people have been torturing themselves uh, by gluing their eyeballs to their phones uh, basically since Trump got into office, and we are now basically a bunch of fucking crazy people who really just need to go on a walk and eat some granola and watch the sunrise and go, oh, man smoke a bowl, maybe, oh man, we're all just monkeys, huh, yeah, you, all y'all motherfuckers need to do that, uh, for real, <laughs> cause shit's getting fucking crazy, um, so if this is helpful, I fucking hope it is, um, uh, it's been super helpful for me, like I said, so, uh, that's why that's here, that's why that's on War of One, and, uh, the next episode is gonna take some getting into, we're gonna talk about the process, because it is a process. Life is a process. Science is a process. Thinking in general is a process. Philosophy is a process. Um, we stand on the shoulders of giants, uh, indeed, but it's not on a pile of books. Okay, it's more than that. It is way more than that. Um, this is a way of moving forward. Um, a way of thinking and moving through reality in a way that changes it for the better um, to take it into like a queer, a weird matrix realm almost for a, a second there. You do have the power to shape 
reality in a kind of real way. Um, so that's one of the superpowers that War of One will make you feel that you have because you do have it. Um, it's one of the things that's going to be brought out of <laughs> out of you, hopefully, throughout the long course of this. Um, I don't know how long the series is going to be, but it's it's going to be a delightful one because it's again, it's all about empowerment and bringing out the warrior inside of you that uh, I know is there. Um, you might not know it's there yet. You might have an inkling that it's there. It's there. It is one thousand percent there. Um, listen to it. Follow it. This is Jenner. This is Mindwave. This has been more of one introduction to the map. Talk to you next time. Super jarring dance music. Let me remind you to head to our website, mindwave.media. Give us a follow on Twitter at Mindwave Podcast and head to patreon.com slash mindwave and give me $5. Because uh, the show doesn't make itself. To the friends of the show who have <laughs> continued to support the work, thank you. Cosmic gratitude to you. Uh, we'll see you.